This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash be here now today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash be here now. everyone. This is Chris Grasso with the Indie Spirituals Podcast on the MindPod Network. My friend, my guest, my friend and guest, J.P. Sears is with us today. Um, I'm really excited about J.P. So excited that I just messed up the introduction, but I'm not going to redo it. So <laughs> J.P. Sears is an emotional healing coach, an international teacher, world traveler and curious student of life. His work empowers people to live more meaningful lives. JP presents classes, workshops, online seminars, and leads retreats at numerous locations around the world on inner healing and growth. He's also very active on his YouTube channel, Awaken with JP, and there will be a link, listeners, for that on the webpage, where he encourages healing and growth through his entertainingly informative and inspiring videos. JP, I'm going to say thank you for coming on the show right now as I see you mid-sip, but it looks mm. like you finished, damn it. I, I have finished, and thank you, Chris, for having me on this show. I'm thrilled to be here. I think more than highly of you as both a, a colleague and a friend. And uh, I also appreciate in your uh, the bio you read of me that you read all the good stuff and that you didn't spill out all the dirty, rotten crap in my life. So that's awesome. Um, help people understand I'm, I'm perfect and enlightened. Is that the, the gist here? That is the gist. However, I have to save something for later. So, you know, you're not totally safe yet. Okay. I'll get my attorney on the line. <laughs> censor this. Well, I, I really am excited. I, I love having on all my guests, but you know, it's funny. I had to laugh when I messed up the introduction because I was looking at you, I was reading and it just, my friend naturally came out because yeah. really we'll talk more about this later, but I, for listeners, I had the incredible opportunity to spend a week with JP recently down in Mexico. We both did a little bit of teaching at a really wonderful retreat. Our mutual friend uh, Lee Burton hosted down there. And prior to that, I knew of JP through his videos, which I'm sure many of our listeners do know, but, uh, and, and they're very, very funny. The majority of them, the other ones suck. No, I'm just kidding. They're, they're, they're very useful and, and I, and they're great too. But, uh, I got to really know you, JP, you know, as a, as an incredible human being, very, very funny, but really a very heart centered guy. And we'll talk a bit more about that as well, but let's, for those that only know you, based on the videos, let's go back before that. And let's talk mm -hmm. a little bit about 
because you are an extremely intelligent, well-versed spiritually and just in general human being. So I wonder, or, you know, I assume a lot of people don't know that about you. So I want to talk a bit about what led you to the spiritual path in the first place? You know, when in your life did you feel it calling you and, and what events and what teachers, all that good stuff. What's, what's kind of inspired you along the way? Yeah, well, first off, I need to write that down, that I'm an intelligent human being so that I can tell my girlfriend that Chris said that the next time she thinks I'm doing stupid stuff. Well, um, Deanna knows me, so I don't know how much weight she would put into my endorsement of you. That's but right. Well, I'll tell her someone else told me right, that I'm intelligent. Yeah, you know, I think the, <clears throat> excuse me, at the heart and soul of what led me down the the path of walking the journey of awakening myself is, uh, I think my childhood, uh, I, I lived in a, a relatively emotionally, um, barren desert. So, you know, the, the old cliche that we've all heard too many times, you're about to hear it again is we tend to teach what we need to learn the most. Yeah. And I, I still really need to learn it the most, you know, awakening my, emotional self, my spiritual self. So, you know, I think from an early age, the the need for it was there. Live long enough in the desert, you learn um, how to go seek water. Yeah. So kind of seeking the fountain of life through awakening beyond who I thought I was, uh, beyond my beliefs and beyond my kind of numb state of emotional being, there was that desire started germinating, I think, in my early 20s, mm. uh, actually maybe late teens. And uh, one of my first teachers, he was a teacher in uh, exercise and nutrition for me, a guy named Paul Check. He runs an institute in California. And, and I started, yeah, well, I want to be an um, exercise coach and work with people at, you know, on their, their fitness and their nutrition so when I was 20, I started doing training with him. And and he's got a, a spiritual side that back uh, 14 or so years ago when I started with him, it, it was under wraps. People didn't know about it, but he was a very spiritual person. And so that kind of really got me thinking like, okay, there's more to life than I think there is. There's more to me than what I think I am. Yeah. And a, a great book he recommended for me was, uh, is uh, Conversations with God by Neil Donald Walsh. Right. Stamp it. It's a classic in my opinion. And then, you know, that really got me in touch with sort of those things I'd imagine you've had this experience where you hear an author say something and you're like, yes, I've always believed that. I just haven't known I've believed it. It's one of those deeper truths that now kind of gets brought up through the the bucket and the well and it sees the light of day and it's good. It's refreshing. Yeah. Eckhart Tolle's Power of Now did that for me. And like your conversations with God, that was my introduction that a mentor of mine had given me. So yeah, I under, I relate. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, from there I got, you know, my, my thirst was really ignited. And then I uh, got together with a, a phenomenal spiritual teacher named John McMullen in Ohio. His organization is Journeys of Wisdom. And uh, I, I took all John's workshops, his certifications for 
self-growth, you know, inner intimate healing emotionally and spiritually because I needed it. And I also had the desire to offer that to other people. So along the way there in my early 20s, I began the transition from working with people, exercise and nutrition to working with people essentially on their inner fitness, their, excuse me, their, their challenges, their wounds, their traumas. And, um, I don't think I've looked back. I've, uh, how I do things present day, it's different. I would judge it to be a, a deepened and an enriched version of what I got into in my yesteryears. And, uh, uh, and I still have lots to learn. <laughs> and I'd imagine one day maybe you and I will be 90 years old on our white rocking chairs on our front porch. I don't know why I say white. My neighbors have white rocking chairs. Yeah, right. And I'd imagine we'll still look at each other and say, ah, we still have a lot to learn, don't we? A lot we? to learn. I was actually very well said. Thank you for that. I was uh, doing an interview with Tommy Rosen yesterday, who's a wonderful yoga teacher. He wrote a great book called Recovery 2.0. And he does these wonderful conferences, um, offers them to free for people about addiction and recovery. And he mentioned he's over 20 years in sobriety, over 20 years in a very serious meditation and yoga practice. And he feels as if he's barely begun to scratch the surface. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm maybe uh, roughly 12 years deep. And I, you know, I, I understand completely what he's saying. Uh, it's just a continual, I don't even know, awakening process of awakening. It just these the incredible things continually happening. Yeah. And I, I think there's a reason why the Zen people are wise enough to talk about the beginner's mind. Yeah. If we stay the beginner, you know, with, with, honoring where we've been, where we've come from, but still let ourselves be a beginner Uh, from this moment going forward. My opinion, that means the next moment, the next day is a rebirth if we allow ourselves to be in that beginner's mindset. Not gratifying to my ego, at least. (laughs) My ego wants to say, I'm I'm about at the destination. I'm good. I'm big, strong, significant. Yeah. But the beginner's mind of in today is my new birth. Yeah, well said. And and yes, my ego too. Many many times along the way, you start to have these wonderful experiences, you know, the the so called peak experiences, if you will. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, okay, I get it, I got it. But you know, realistically, that's when you're the farthest away. When you think you have it, you know, yeah. it's no, because who thinks they have it? And anyways, it's it's such a subtle process of fine-tuning on a daily basis but what the hell else are we going to do you know well i mean there's plenty <laughs> plenty of other things we could do but absolutely you know one of the wise men along the way i'm sure he had a big long gray beard i forgot who it was <laughs> <clears throat> Lao Tzu, confucius one of those school dudes yeah you know said something along the lines of those who think they know don't know yeah, yeah. uh those who know they don't know still don't know. Right. But at least they know enough to know that they don't know. Right. Um, it, there might be an a, absolute skewing of that quote with a lot of JP <laughs> fingerprints. I may not recall it correctly, but uh, I think that speaks to that kind of beginner's mind. And what you just said, those who think they know, 
maybe coming from a place of their ego. Yeah. It makes me think of, um, well, when we were together, you noticed the Thich Nhat Hanh quote I had tattooed on my leg. And then adjacent to that on my other leg, I have a Thomas Merton quote. In which he says, actually, let me glance down and read it so I get it right. But he says, although I see the stars, I no longer pretend to know them. Mm. And that was, uh, I'll never forget the first time I read that, you know, the word know them, those two words, like really, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, I don't know them. Or, well, a part of me knows them, but the real me, the witnessing awareness, what does it actually know? Anyways, we're getting too ultra deep here, I think, (laughs) too early in the conversation. Oh, yeah. Well, the weather's good then. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's sunny out here. Actually, it is. It's a lovely day here as well in, in Ottawa. Um, so let's let's talk about and, and just get this out of the way, because I'm sure you've had to answer this question. But I think it's worth covering for our listeners who are both familiar with your very popular videos and those who aren't. <clears throat> and and you and I have talked about this and I, I really got... Uh, I really appreciated what you had to say in regards to So can you talk a bit about your videos? You know, the, what what inspired you to start working with them and, and why did you decide to go the humorous route? Again, not all your videos are, are humorous, but the majority of them and the ones you're most well known for mm-hmm. are in that funny context. Yeah. Well, I, I think how I got started making videos two, about two years ago, actually, I think April of 2013 was the birth of my YouTube channel. And um, I had recently made a, a new friend who stayed a, he's a very dear, close friend to this day, a guy named Daniel Eisenman. YouTube-wise, he's known as Danimal Rob Rob of the Rob Ross. Became friends with him, their channel. They, they've got some popularity. And uh, seeing how he did it and how he just expresses himself being his goofy, weird self, that really inspired me. And I also had the rationalization of that would be good for business, kind of getting myself out there as a way of getting more potential clients into my emotional coaching business, which I I run via Skype. So, you know, wherever a person's seen a video, they're a potential candidate for uh, a client coaching relationship. And so along the way, even in my early videos, there were little bits of humor. And honestly, I I strangulated it. So it was truly little bits of humor, you know, just a a little quirky comment once in a while in a video because that's in once in a while, like a cutaway scene, because that's my true personality. But I was restricting it purposely being constipated with it because I'm thinking, okay, here I am doing self-growth, healing, uh, spirituality videos, heal your heart. You're not supposed to be funny. You're supposed to be serious. So, um, you know, okay, I'll, looking back, it's like, okay, I was expressing myself in a way of trying to be who I think I'm supposed to be rather than being who I actually am. Yeah. And fast forward as I gradually gave myself more and more permission to let me be me, which means sometimes there's, you know, a a really unique blend of seriousness and comedy in a video. And sometimes it's a pure comedy uh, face to the video. I can, you know, I gradually allow myself to do that more and more. And I, and I think why it was a gradual allowing is 
kind of the audience would respond like favorably. Like, it's like, okay, there was some humor in that video and it didn't seem to turn people off. Mm. It, it, okay. So it was kind of in a very childlike sense, it was a mirroring validation. You know how like a two year old builds something with their blocks and their first instinct is look up at mom and dad. What are they thinking? You know, they want to see how is mom and dad seeing me? Right. So I think a very childlike part needed to see how the audience was seeing me and they validated me. Very codependent, but honestly, that's <laughs> yeah. the case. Yep. Um, so yeah, and then uh, probably around six months ago uh, with um, the first How to Be Ultra Spiritual video that was you know the, the first one, actually second one maybe, that was like a pure comedy front. And as life has it, it's kind of funny how the more you give yourself permission to be you, the better it works for you. Mm. All my fears told me, no, that's going to work against me. If I let myself be authentically goofy, um, yet life seemingly, at least what it's shown me is, the more I allow me to be me, the more of me is there to accept and receive the support that life is giving me. Mm. And in this case, I think the support is measured in the kind of tangible sense of more viewers, more subscribers, more people helping themselves through the videos. Um, If that, you know, Chris, I've completely forgot your question because I'm so (laughs) self-absorbed paying attention to my answer. I think it was the weather. Uh, Yes. It's it's a sunny day. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I, that was it. I, you know, I just really wanted to share with our listeners Mm -hmm. a bit of the backstory of your videos. And, and Mm -hmm. a lot of that is what you shared with me before. And and I'm, I'm glad that you did share that because while I think the majority of people who see them get it. Um, I've seen some of the comments from people who don't get it mm-hmm. or they get it and they just what what I've deemed um, from my own experience with my books, you know, because I am not your traditionally spiritual writer or sure. I don't look traditionally spiritual. But, you know, I, I I just call them spiritual grumps, you know, whatever. <laughs> That's my nice name for them and whatever teach their own. So. With. A, all right. So this is more of a, a selfish asking for me question, but. I still have a hard time, granted I've gotten much better at this, but I still will read that one negative review or that one comment that someone reads, maybe one negative one out of 99 positive, and I still let it get to me and I focus Mm -hmm. on that one and all the other 99 nice things kind of go right out the window. Now, in your case, and I know you get some of them too, because you're, you're not doing what the status quo asks for spiritually. You know, you're... You're rocking the boat a bit, and that's wonderful, and I believe we need more of that, and we need to, I think, you know, just my opinion, take things a little less seriously. Yeah. Um, but anyways, so back to my question, how how do you personally deal with that, you know, or, or do you not even look at the comments um, yeah. and stuff, or, or how about if it's not even comments, just life in general, you know, how do you work with that kind of, uh, the people who don't like you, who don't like what you're doing, who have the negative things to say to you about that and so forth? Yeah. You know, I think the absolute best way to fail in life is by trying to please everybody. Mm, yeah. Um, and I, one of the diseases I'm in recovery uh, on is 
the disease of being a people pleaser. Uh-huh. Um, tons of reasons why I became a people pleaser, addicted to people's approval, their disapproval. Holy cow, that not only scared me to death, it scared me beyond death. So I grew up and in my teens, 20s, you know, avoiding disapproval was my life's purpose. Mm. Um, so with that said, some things that work for me, and, I, and, and yes, I am affected. I'll get to that. Sure. You know, the, be real here in a second when I'm done pretending not to be real. <laughs> but one of the things that's helpful to me is appreciating the fruits of my labor. Labor, you know, for the first year, year and a half of me doing videos, just using that as an example, I don't think I saw one negative comment. Wow. And I looked. I was playing it really safe with my videos. Those early videos. I didn't want to rock the boat at all. Yeah. I was playing it safe and the self-expression and the recognition of those videos, very small. Mm. And now when I risk being more of myself, yes, the boat gets rocked. So I have to remind myself once in a while to really appreciate the, the sweetness of the fruit that I get when I let myself be more fully me, like, yes, oh, negative comments, but look how much brightness it's brought into my life as I risk being more fully me. Mm-hmm. I think anytime we are more, you know, as most fully ourselves as we can be in any given moment, um, it's such an expression of power that it will threaten people who haven't connected to their version of that power. We always fear and therefore usually get angry at people who have things that we believe we don't have. Mm, Um, So with that said, um, I I don't read all comments on videos anymore. I I just, I have too much to do yet. I do read them when I can. And honestly, I'll, I'll, I'll read it, you know, a negative comment and, you know, someone's emotionally charged, pissed off. I feel that like there, I have an emotional response. Usually my neck gets warm and, you know, sometimes I feel angry. Sometimes I feel angry at myself like, Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Yeah. So another part of my therapy program of recognize the fruits of my labor and here it's feel my feelings about it. Uh. Third part is feel the feelings without letting those feelings influence me. I will feel the feelings and keep walking my path anyway. Um, and, and that's scary for the little you know, inner child of mine that grew up believing that his, uh, his key to survival is people-pleasing. Mm. I think the self-preservation instinct and the self-realization intuition, they're opposing. So the self-realizing aspect of myself it's all about artistic expression. The self-preservation part says, I just want to survive. People-pleasing is a part of that. So the whole artistic expression, that's actually a threat to my self-preservation. Mm. So there's that internal conflict. And I think feeling the feelings of it, feeling the, call it the rapture of it, to me is very important. To me, it's like an acknowledgement of my fearful parts, compassion to them, 
acceptance of them without being absolutely controlled and shut down by them. If that makes a little bit of sense. It does. It makes perfect sense. And thank you for sharing that. It's, uh, you know, when, when I, when Indie Spirituals first came out, um, I mean, I'd already been experiencing from some of the websites I was writing for, Mm -hmm. you know, some people didn't like what I had to say and that's cool. I mean, to each their own. And I truly do believe that. Um, and I write about in my next book about, you know, we all have our filtered perceptions and we're, we're projecting onto every circumstance and situation in life, our own reality. So I get that doesn't make it any less, you know, fun to experience those hurtful feelings when someone says something, but you know, I, I work on putting into perspective and trying to remember that. But yeah, when Indie Spirituals came out, um, it, truthfully, most of the feedback was great. But there sure. would be, a, you know, I remember uh, Tara Brock, who's a wonderful Buddhist teacher, had, had posted an endorsement she wrote for me um, to help support the book. It meant the world to me. And mm-hmm. There was a picture of me with my tattoos and someone just wrote this really shitty comment about like, <laughs> how could anyone with... Tattoos, let alone so many tattoos, know anything about, you know, wisdom, blah, blah, blah. And it was just like, oh, you know, like it really uh, and I've gotten pretty good through the years at, like you say, feeling my feelings and also recognizing that I, for example, when when that um, hurt arises or, or let's say like anger, that it's a it's an emotion of anger arising. I'm not anger you know i'm not that Mm -hmm. anger the anger is arising in my awareness so you know through years of meditation working on anchoring back into that place of stillness of witnessing awareness you know easier said than done even (laughs) on a good day nevertheless it's it's part of the practice so i am pretty good with that but still yeah feeling your feelings sucks sometimes but that's what so much of, of any great wisdom tradition is guiding us towards doing is stop running away from them. Stop burying our head in the food, the drugs, the sex, in my case, the drugs and alcohol, you know, whatever the case may be. So yeah, just thank you for addressing that because it's, and even though I know that it's still, again, on a good day, it's still not that easy to do, or it's very easy to put out of, you know, like if the feelings come up, I don't want to yeah. feel them. You know, I want, I want to feel hurt. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. And, you know, approaching, we all have critics around us. I don't care who you are. You have critics around you. And I think there's a big difference between a, approaching that with sensitivity to our own feelings versus approaching it through denial. Ah, I don't give a crap what they say. Yeah. Well, I heard your words, but what if you actually do give a crap and your mental story you're creating is just serving as a barrier between you and your own emotions and you've created a justification, a one-line soundbite, I don't give a crap, potentially to convince yourself that your hurt inside isn't there. What if the hurt actually is there? And I, I love your message about we all project. I think we... For me, it's helpful to once in, once in a while remind myself, this person's projecting onto me. They, they've had an insecurity ignited through their perceptual experience of the video. And it, it, it's, it, it's connected with something uncomfortable. And part of them is creating a story to try and anesthetize their discomfort you know we're never upset about what we're what we think we're upset about and you mentioned the 
the reader who saw that how could anybody with a bunch of tattoos <laughs> be remotely um, uh, wise? And I would guess, you know, based off your wisdom, that there this person was. They're compromised inside. They have something that they they I would guess severely limit themselves with. It's not tattoos. But some belief of themselves is the tattoo. The tattoos, I think, symbolically represent something to that person um, at an inner level. So to me, that's helpful. And actually, I, I think it helps breed compassion, helps breed a sense of, you know, things not soaking in as deeply personal. Uh, they still soak in, but how deep right. are they going to go? Right, right. Um, well, I yeah, I love that. And one other thing um, that I also have to remind myself of on the flip side of that is when people project the good things onto you as well. Ah. You know, like I keep myself in check too, in check with that too, because it'd be so easy. Like, you know, well, I don't need to own that negative stuff because that's their shit. But all the good stuff. Yeah, I own that. Look at me. <laughs> no, no, no. I have to remember that's still a projection too, you know, two sides of the same coin. So mm, I wish that wasn't true. I, yeah. Right. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I, I agree. The degree we value ourselves based on the positive comments yeah. from whatever is positively commenting on our life. That's the degree we're also addicted and yeah. attached to the negative com- uh, compliments or right. criticisms. So, yeah, the whole non-attachment, I think it's great to wash ourselves in those waters once in a while. I think the point is get in, have the experience, the thrill of compliments, the thrill of negative comments, and uh, then get out of the water rather than trying to stay in those waters and swimming. You know, human beings aren't meant to live in water. Right. Right. To still feel those feelings too. Yeah. Feel all the, feel all the feelings. Um, Mm -hmm. So this is actually making me think of uh, a practice that you gave us in Mexico that as I told you there, and I've continued to work with it here has been very profound for me. Um, And I'm hoping we can talk a little bit about it. um, If you're up for it, it was, you'd called it there. I don't know if this is what you normally call it or not, but I think it was like a mirroring practice, Mm -hmm. which I think kind of complements a lot of what you were just saying. And while the practice was based on, for listeners, just, you know, we were all sitting in a circle and you would have us name one thing about the person sitting across from us that we didn't like, but there's so much more to it than that. So maybe if you're willing to, if you could talk a little bit about this practice and the reason I, I think it's very valuable even here in the context of a podcast is because even though we were doing that on the spot practice, it's something that I took. And I know, I believe the rest of the people there took, and we started using the moment we walked away from that circle. And I've been using it every day since then not all day, but as much as I can remember sure. to bring it to my, my, uh, consciousness and, and, uh, yeah. So can you talk a bit about that? Absolutely. And I, I'd invite everybody listening to, um, take this test drive it, play with it, see how it works for you. To me, this mirroring exercise, <clears throat> excuse me, I've never been healthier, um, <laughs> just dying of the Ebola virus over here. Um, to me, the mirroring exercise, it's a, uh, it's a practice of connecting more intimately with ourselves 
in a lovely byproduct of that is there for other people as well. So just a, a preface to this exercise, I'd ask everybody to pretend that how, what you perceive in another person is 100% a projection of your own self. In other words, you look at the other person and however you experience them, that is a mirror giving you 100% of a reflection back to yourself. So you can look at, well, what, what I don't like about Chris, that's truly something about oneself. What I like about Chris is truly something about uh, your own self. And, and essentially the, uh, the practice is you, you pick a side. I like to go both sides, shadow and light. What do I like? What don't I like about you right now? What don't I like? Or what do I like about you? Right. Then the, the magic is you follow that up with what does that say about me? It, uh, what am I seeing of myself in the mirror? So right now, just to play with it, I, I might say, you know, Chris, one of the things I, uh, I don't like about my experience of you is uh, I feel like you hold your voice back. You talk softly, and I think sometimes you need to scream, brother. <laughs> and I don't like that you keep your voice small. Which you obviously haven't heard any of my bands, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. No, but yes, so, yes, point taken. Yeah. So, you know, a little pause footnote for everybody. There might be 0% truth about that for Chris. What I just shared is, that's how I perceive you, Chris. Right. And then the turn, step two is, everything I just said about Chris is something about me. To the degree that I don't see it inside myself is the degree I'm going to project it out onto other people, therefore see it in them. So I look at that, like, do what I see in Chris, do I literally do that same thing? Or is it more a symbolic representation? Right. Um, and I would say for me, what that says about me, Chris, I don't like how you sometimes keep your voice quiet. I, I think my voice at a literal level can get loud and boisterous. So I think symbolically what that says about me is sometimes I strangulate the voice of my truth. Mm. And I feel compromised and weak about that. And I would guess because I don't like feeling weak, I project that out and feel a sense of dislike about go, uh, you, Chris. Mm -hmm. And what I love about this discovery is, one, I realize my story about Chris is zero about Chris. It's 100% a story about me that I previously was unaware of. I was blind to and I was blinding myself through um, believing it's about Chris. Mm. So what is your perception about someone and what does that say about you? It's kind of like the movie projector. You go to the movie, the lens of the projector, it's pointed outward. Yet everything that the movie projector sees through its own lens, 100% of it comes from inside the movie projector and it's projected out onto the screen. Chris is my, you're my screen in this moment. I'm your screen. Right. One of the things I like best about my perception of you, Chris, is uh, you put yourself out there in ways that I think are risky and inspiring. Yeah, that's and, me. Yeah. And I love the fact that you can validate, yes, that's me or no, it's not. 
I'm talking about myself, right. and I like how you have the opportunity, Chris, to own, okay, that's either, that's true for me too, JP, or oh, that's your perception, JP. Right. And I think what that says about me is I feel great power when I take authentic risks and put myself out there uh, in ways that enliven my heart. I really appreciate a, that about me, and I think that means... Therefore, I project that appreciation onto you, Chris. So I'd invite everybody, play around with that. Uh, your significant other, what do you like best about them? And pretend that that is 100% a story about you. So what's that message say about you? What do you like least about them? What would you guess that says about you? Mm, I love that. Um, two things. To, to come back at one when I said yeah that's me I that was my gut reaction at not being able to take a compliment but that's uh -huh. something I'm aware of because when you did that practice you had said something to someone oh the first person you you shared this practice with uh something about tanning I remember she'd gotten an uneven tan and and I remember she came right back with a you know something to to make light of it and she joked and uh and that helped me, though, to see that because now I see that and, and Jen, my wife, knows I suck at taking compliments. But, you know, I'm, I'm aware of it. So I'm working on it. And, and, and seeing that in that group context really helped me to be like, yeah, man, it's you're, you should be able to take a compliment, even though it's not projected at me. We're, we're doing this practice about your, you know, your experience. But anyways, I really appreciate that that is uh, another benefit I took away from it. And the other thing I love is this is not just something that we need to do um, with like close friends or family. I, I find that anytime I catch myself feeling an emotional reaction, more it's more easy for me with, with the shadow, the darker stuff, but it's just as applicable with the light side as well. But a complete stranger, if I'm out, you know, going for a run and I see someone and I'm like, I look at them and I see some you know, just characteristic about them physically that I don't like. First of all, it's like, I, why do you even care? But now it's an opportunity for me instead of to judge myself about having that judging thought, I can go deeper inwards and start mm -hmm. looking at, well, okay, so why am I having that shitty feeling towards that person? Yeah. Or why am I having that good feeling? So it's a really, I found it at least to be a really wonderful exercise that is applicable anytime we're having those emotions and specifically in my case to break that cycle of self-judging that I will do mm. for having these because we're human. We have judgments and, and these things happen, but instead of, you know, my cycle of, all right, I'm going to judge myself for judging. No, now I can look deeper yeah. into it. So thank you for that. And, and listeners, I encourage you to really, really try this. If, if as JP said, it's something that resonates for you. Um, but you have a number of other incredible practices that they can learn about and teachings on your videos, your website, or get in touch with you directly about coaching. And I mean, not to get too far off track, but I did have the opportunity to do a little coaching session with you in Mexico. And in that one session, it, uh, man, how do I even put it into words? You know, it just kind of flips some things upside down for me in a really amazing way really shook a lot of things loose in me and in, in ways that I haven't experienced in many years. You know, meditation is wonderful. Mantra, prayer, all the, the traditional practices are great, sure. but there is something to really be said for working with someone else. And, and I do have mentors and whatnot that I work with, sure. but doing the actual kind of 
coaching that you do and specifically going to some of those places inside. Uh, I don't know if anyone listening is looking for someone. I think JP is your man. But anyways, you guys can take time to learn more about him after the podcast. So something else we are both passionate about is spiritual bypassing, Mm. Um, something also known as spiritual materialism, or it's a close, you know, uh, relation to spiritual bypassing. And I write at length about it in my book, and I know you talk about it, and I mean, it's obvious in your videos as well. The trick is that, you know, for me, I went through my phase of it. I think we all do. You step onto the spiritual path, and how incredible, you know, it's, it's a brand new thing. It's exciting. It our eyes start to get open to deeper truths and uh you know we we want well i wanted to fit in which is something i never really wanted to do but you know so i started to adopt some new languages and i'll never forget i mean this is literally in the first year of me getting into spirituality i had my parents take me up to a tibetan a little tibetan buddhist store and i bought this tibetan uh prayer flag and I didn't even really know what it meant but I really wanted it with my incense and I remember like saying to the people after they they charged me and I paid for it I'm like namaste and they just kind of looked at me (laughs) and and like I didn't even really know what namaste meant anyway so I, I I was you know spiritually material too so I get it but you know there's there's the material aspect there's the bypassing aspect and those things need to really be looked at and addressed eventually on our path. So I've talked enough. I'm going to shut up. How, what are some of, some of your thoughts around this? Yeah. You know, I, I love how you point out it's a natural phase of growth. Let's not shame ourselves for doing spiritual bypassing. Uh, Let's accept that it's actually okay. It's necessary so that we can become aware of it. So that our spiritual bypassing tendencies uh, don't blind us. Uh, I think it's a it's a necessary phase to go through. It's a a very stagnant phase if we get stuck in it. And as one of your great uh, mentors, Ram Das, has said, you can't get out of jail until you know you're in one. Uh, So what is the jail of spiritual bypassing I've created? In other words, for me, spiritual bypassing is how we essentially make ourselves unspiritual through our spiritual practices while believing we're becoming more spiritual. And for me, spirituality is about becoming, realizing more our wholeness Mm -hmm. and connection So what are my practices that actually make me disconnected and separate? Whether it's disconnected from aspects of myself, like I'll disconnect from my emotions. That was my main method of spiritual bypassing. Oh, you know, love and light, brother. I, I don't get upset because, you know, I'm not getting angry because... Yeah, you just smashed into my car, but everything's perfect, brother. Synchronicity, man. It was this was a sacred contract. Nice to meet you. Thanks for being mindless and smashing my car. No. All right. Yeah, I, I how many years was I there? Too many. So yeah. what are we disconnecting from, therefore creating separation from? Is it an aspect of our own self? Is it other people? If you don't do yoga. I'm not talking to you, you bastard. Oh, you're not a vegetarian. Well, welcome uh, to the scum of the earth club. Or, oh, you 
you're not a uh, paleo. Well, I feel sorry for you. Or, wow, you, uh, you don't meditate the way I do. Well, when you get evolved enough, you will. Yeah. All these kind of senses of separation. And then we kind of, you know, I think a lot of times we fall into this trend of like, okay, meditation's worked well for me. I need to keep meditating. If I don't meditate today, I can't accept myself. Mm. And there it becomes, it's, that's not a compassionate relationship for, with ourself. For me, the compassionate relationship is I accept myself if I meditate. I accept myself if I don't meditate. It's not a shame-based rejection of I'll only accept myself if I meditate. So that practice through the sleight of hand where nothing on the, you know, tangibly on the surface changes, any of our practices I think can become a force of separation from ourselves the question is, uh, how are we using our practices? What are our conscious intentions behind it? And I think more importantly, what are our unconscious intentions? Am I using meditation and being a part of this community? Um, am I using that to to be a significant person and be valued in their uh, eyes? If so, that probably means I'm also using it to reject the part of me that feels insignificant. Mm. I believe, just because I believe it doesn't mean it's true, yet <laughs> I believe, and just because I believe it doesn't mean I actually believe it, mm. I believe that I believe any path we take to find ourselves and grow ourselves spiritually will eventually become a path we lose ourselves on and become diminished spiritually unless we rise to a new level of consciousness and walk that path with that new level of consciousness. Can we become actually non-attached to our spiritual growth techniques? We all know about non-attachment, but we, we even get very attached to the idea of non-attachment. Right. And we've defeated ourselves while we believe we were winning. So can I even become non-attached to the idea of non-attachment? Can I? And then next year, I'll have to become non-attached to my non-attachment about being non-attached. Yeah. Infinity is always bigger than we think it is. So that's why I mean, you and I have had many conversations about the the glorious virtues of not taking ourselves seriously. What are my practices? And I can bring them down from uh, a spiritual bypassing uh, block, put them on the ground, and now they can support me better. By the way, the idea of not taking ourselves too seriously, can we even question that? I wonder in this moment, that idea of don't take things too seriously, which it's a near and dear idea to my heart. Right. Am I using that as a spiritual bypassing technique? Am I using that to discount parts of me that see life seriously and feel hurt about things not working out its way? Am I bypassing that? Yeah. I don't know. It is a hell of a rabbit hole. You know, you you cracked the joke. It had nothing to do with me, but it, it really opened uh, my eyes to something. You were like, I'm becoming dogmatic about not being dogmatic or something yeah. like that. And I thought I started thinking about, well, wow, man, I think I got pretty dogmatic about not being dogmatic back in indie spirituals. Now, granted, 
it, what people don't know about writing books is it's a it's a lengthy process. By the time the book's written, it's still usually at least a year until it's published. A lot happens in that time, you know. And so I, as I've already told you, like I think I've read Indie Spirituals once in it, since it came out. When it came out, just to kind of give it that overview, that editorial <laughs> eye. But other than that, I can't really read my stuff. And though after you said that, I went back when we when I got home from Mexico and thumbed through it a little bit. And I was like, I cringed a few times. I'm like, ugh. But then, you know, I have my next book coming out. And I feel like, all right, I've, I've grown a bit. And, you know, I think it's a little, it's matured in a way. I mean, I'm still an 11-teen-year-old. And those <laughs> ridiculous tendencies are all over that book. But... Anyways, and I know that after that book comes out, I'll look back and I'll probably have similar feelings. It's just this yeah. ongoing process, always, always. And one of the important things for me is just learning to be a bit more gentle with myself, mm. but in a way that's sincere, you know, like, and and yes, keep an eye on that, but just gentle, easy yeah. does it really. Like, you know, we do the best we can each day to try to be a little better or each week or each month, whatever. And just, I mean, what else are you going to do again to, to bring that back up? It's, I don't know, always a work in progress, progress, not perfection, actually, as they say in the 12 step fellowships, but I think that's totally applicable to life in general. Absolutely. You know, to me, it's with the wisdom I heard you just express as an analogy, (laughs) flattering i'm gonna compare you to a five-year-old so <laughs> that is flattering <laughs> yeah normally chris is emotional maturity at three <laughs> <Yes>. so <laughs> you're stepping me up i appreciate it you know a five-year-old comes home from kindergarten they did a drawing they're proud of it it, it is a divine expression for that five-year-old let mom and dad please put it on the fridge i love it so Mom and dad do that, you know, in a functional household. Mom and dad don't look at it and say, that's a bunch of crap, tear it up. So I think that gentle approach, that's what we learn to do with our present self and our relationship with our past self. So past Chris writes a book and present day Chris, you've grown, you know, analogously five-year-old Chris wrote a book, present day Chris looks at it. And I think the gentleness says that is a beautiful expression from you. Mm-hmm. How I would do the painting present day is different. I've grown. I've learned to disagree with what I thought then. Thank God that's called growth. Uh, but that gentleness for me, it's the same thing as the parents genuinely valuing what the five-year-old brought to the table. Mm-hmm. I know in my videos, I look back at <clears throat> Some of my early videos, in fact, it's, a, it's like a six-month shelf life before I start to disagree with either what I said or how I said it. I, I can relate. Yeah. And, and I look back and say, man, I, 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 I wish I would have said it this way or I'm 180 degrees opposition right now. And I made a decision. I'm not going to take down any old videos because they were a perfect expression for me then. And they are a, a perfect match for some people now. My job is to be JP at the present moment. I'll do things differently now, but I want to honor <clears throat> the gifts that my past self brought to the table. Mm. And what I and I agree with what you're saying. It ain't always easy to do. I think that 
reminder of gentleness and compassion is something I need a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It will. It goes a long way, I think, in in, mm-hmm. uh, in our paths. I remember a few years ago, I was watching um, a talk that Wayne Dyer and Eckhart Tolle were doing together out in Hawaii. And I remember laughing because Wayne Dyer has gone back and forth on the ego so many times. And someone asked him, they did an audience Q&A and they were like, so where's your stance on that? And he and I appreciate this. He was willing to totally call himself out. And he's like, look, I have gone back and forth on this thing. You need to destroy the ego. It's never a friend to the ego is not the enemy. You need to, you know, learn to have a healthy relationship. And and he's just I don't know where I'm at with it, you know, and, and it's like, yeah, thank you for being honest, because yeah. who knows, you know, and that's the thing. Be gentle. Get to know yourself well enough to know that sometimes you don't know. And that's the that's the best truth we can offer people sometimes. And I have no problem if someone asks me a question at a talk saying, well, you know what? I, I don't know. And and if I don't know, I'm not going to bullshit you like a lot of yeah. other people have no problem doing. But there's no judgment in that comment at all. Um, no, I didn't sense any. No. Uh, my radar didn't go off. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you for validating that for me. So. Yeah, I think the last thing maybe we can talk about is for those newly on the spiritual path, this is something I always try to address, you know, or as often as I can, because I remember back when I was literally stumbling onto it, it's, it was overwhelming for me. You know, there's so many different teachings and you should do this, you shouldn't do that. Or you hear people saying conflicting things, which is why I really always encourage people to go within and really learn to tune in to what does and does not resonate as true for you and to honor that while also finding people, mentors, teachers that have walked the path before you that you can trust to help guide the way. So that said, what is either some advice you would give or if you don't want to give advice, maybe a practice that could be beneficial, anything that you would like to offer those particularly newer to this whole spirituality thing. Yeah. You know, a, a cup, the first couple of thoughts that come to mind, <clears throat> excuse me, Ebola again, <laughs> Damn, um, Mexico. is one, I think uh, initially and periodically throughout our journeys, there, there comes the need to sample, but we want to sample the, 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 the palette of possibilities, possible paths and practices. I don't think anybody says, oh, here's the first spiritual practice I tried, and then I was glued to that for 80 years. Um, if they did, I'd question that. Did that actually become a prison for them? Yeah, yeah. So I would encourage people to sample. And when you find something that resonates with you, seek mastery in it. And by mastery, I mean, you know, throw yourself fully in it until you're done with it, knowing eventually you're going to be done with that. I think that, my opinion, and I think that ties into what we were talking about earlier. Eventually, you're, the path you find uh, yourself on can become the path you lose yourself on. So sample, seek mastery, and then divorce yourself from what works uh, for you so that you can find something uh, better uh, as soon as whatever you're doing kind of has started to expire. And then lastly, if I 
could be so bold as to throw another idea out there. Please do. When you're reading books, listening to teachers, honor yourself by asking, and what do I think about that? Mm. Please, for damn sure, give yourself permission to agree and disagree with what the author or speaker has to say, whether they tell you or not, they're a human. One of the reasons why I love your uh, first book, Chris, uh, The Indie Spiritualist, is you write it from a human perspective. You're not writing it, absolutely, you're not writing it from, well, I'm this mythical creature called an enlightened uh, person, I'm I'm barely even a human anymore, (laughs) I'm just a spiritual being, and I have mutant x-men powers or that's whatever my, that's my second book but Sex, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's realistic yeah <laughs> um the author is a human being they have an ego their ego is out to gratify themselves their ego is delusional they have their biases and that's not to say that the author is like a demented ego person no right. it, just whether it's small or large their ego has their agenda Um, that's why I think it's incredibly important to honor yourself. Listen to what the author has to say so that you can use that as a platform, kind of a cliff to jump off of deeper into the chasm of your own thoughts. What's true for you? What comes up? I used to read a hell of a lot. It it kind of became a self-medication for me, actually. And and I enjoy reading still. It's just I'm, I read much less. It mm. Much less serves me present day for however long. And now when I read a book, I enjoy listening to what the author says. But what I love is listening to my thought and truths that kind of just spring forth and germinate out of like, okay, I've just read this page. And man, JP, I'm freaking fascinated with you know, what, what's coming to me now, it's, it's, you know, the, the author's page, that's just the seed, but what germinates is more of me, rather than giving my power away to, yes, dear author, what you said, that's the gospel. Uh, If we only read books from, or listen to teachers from that perspective, uh, I think we're actually doing ourselves uh, kind of a diminishing service. Sure. If that makes any sense. It does, and I couldn't agree more. Um, and for once, I actually don't feel like I have anything to add to that. <laughs> you, you just nailed it so well that I'm I'm speechless. Mm. So, JP, thank you, man, so much for your time. It is an absolute pleasure, as always, to speak with you. Uh, we will have the links up to your YouTube page and website on, uh, or, yeah, on our website. But for those listening, can you just say them really quickly as well? Absolutely. You can subscribe to my YouTube channel, Awaken with JP, is the name of my channel. I put out new videos every week. And uh, super soon, maybe even like right now, uh, there's going to be a video of Chris and I discussing how to heal depression. So uh, amongst other possibilities, you'll want to check that out as I'm brainwashing you, telling you what you want to (laughs) do. Do it. Uh, and you can also check out my website, innerawakeningsonline.com, currently in a transition to awakenwithjp.com. So uh, transition there, depending on how distant into the future you are, check out one or the other. <laughs> but 
That's good business. Good luck finding me, people. (laughs) We'll make sure we have the proper link when this airs so that if you're having trouble typing it in, just click the link on the webpage for this podcast and you'll find it from there. And, uh, and again, lastly, I just encourage everyone really please do check out JP's work. It is both comical and very heartfelt and inspiring and real. And, uh, I feel like that's why I've deeply, deeply connected with it so much. So JP, thank you for your time, um, for, for being here with me and for everything you're bringing to the world. It's much needed and greatly appreciated. Oh, you're welcome, my brother. And, and thank you to all you listeners who are weird enough to listen to what Chris and I have to say here. Uh, and Chris, having me on, big thank you uh, for, sure. for you. And I, I'm not just trying to out thank you. you. I, big <laughs> gratitude. You inspire me. Whatever I project onto you, it's a great inspiration to me. So thank you for being in my life and having me on today. Wow. Well, thank you, sir. I really do appreciate it. Absolutely. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash BeHereNow today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash BeHereNow.